You know, the scripture that uh, has always spoken to my heart in that regard is this scripture in Zechariah where it says that don't despise the day of small beginnings because God delights in small beginnings. So I think it's a lesson for all of us. We start with what we have, with the doors that are open, and then we let the Lord do the rest. Watch the evening news or go online and it's easy to despair about all the problems in the world. We may feel overwhelmed and ask, why doesn't God save those poor people? Why doesn't he do something? Longtime ministry leader John Bueno felt this way when faced with a seemingly overwhelming issue in El Salvador. The problem was so huge, devastating, and pervasive that solving it appeared impossible. However, God led John to tackle this countrywide problem with small, simple steps and a faithful heart. This week, John joins us to share how God broke his heart and then opened an incredible opportunity for healing and redemption in this country that he loves. Now here's our host, Bob Dittmer. Well, welcome to another uh, Gary Wilkerson podcast. And another guest that we have here today is John Bueno. And uh, John has been a missionary in uh, Central America and South America for a long time and also was former executive director of World Missions for the Assemblies of God. And so John knows an awful lot about missions, about leading people to Christ in other uh, other worlds and other countries, and can teach us a lot about how we reach people uh, here in the States as well, I think, and, and those that are working overseas. Yeah. And Gary, this is somebody that also, John, you've known for a long time and have heard his story. Yes, absolutely. He was friends with my father, uh, David Wilkerson, for many years, and they worked together in missions and evangelism, and um, the work that we'll be talking about in El Salvador, the partnership there was been strong for years. It continues as John is on our board of directors. We've been meeting all day today and his insight and his wisdom, you have really changed the world, um, whether it be in your office there in Springfield, Missouri, helping tens of thousands of missionaries around the world through the of God or locally in your years at El Salvador of helping, we'll talk about that, children uh, by, by the scores. So welcome. So thank you for taking time to be thank on our you. podcast today. John, why don't we start there? In fact, we, we did a story on you. I don't know if you know that on our website. And, uh, and one of the information that was in there I found was fascinating about talking about how you got into helping kids. And it came with a, a young gentleman trying to sell newspapers on the side of the road. Could you tell us that story? Truly, that was uh, one of the big steps in my life. Um, we went to El Salvador primarily to pastor a church that was troubled. And um, I had been there uh, pretty close to a year when I was coming back from the countryside preaching in the eastern end of the country about midnight. One of the few uh, signal lights in the city of San Salvador at the time, little boy, maybe five or six years of age, selling newspapers. And it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure that nobody buys newspapers at midnight. <laughs> so I rolled the window down and I said, how many papers do you have left? He says, well, I have three. I said, I'll buy them. So I bought the three newspapers and this kid jumped for joy and made a beadline for his home because, of course, he couldn't go home until he sold all his newspapers. And I thought to myself, it wasn't hard, you know, to make this kid happy, just a few cents. And um, But on the rest of the way home, the Lord spoke to me and said, well, there's hundreds of children just like this. And tomorrow he'll have another bundle of newspapers and his odyssey will start all over again. And if something doesn't do, if someone doesn't do something for him now in a meaningful way, 
this will be the history of his life. So the long and the short of that was first my objections to the Lord that I, you know, I didn't have enough money, I didn't have enough ability to do anything for that many children. Uh, children ran through the streets of San Salvador at that time everywhere. They're selling newspapers, shining shoes, and trying to clean your windshields and things of that nature. And uh, but as the Lord continued to speak to my heart, I thought, well. I need to get these kids off the street and in school. That's, that's the first step. First step is that they know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The second is that they get an education that'll get them out of this vicious poverty cycle. So we started with um, 81 boys and girls. Uh, we didn't have uh, school facilities at the church where I was pastoring, but we made makeshift classrooms, old used lumber and whatnot, and uh, started with sixth grade, three grades in the morning, three grades in the afternoon. And well, now after 57 years, we have 37 campuses and about 15,000 children that attend school every day, yeah, how every many, school day there. How many do you think you've educated over those 57 years? We feel like we have reached uh, at least a million children. Uh, El Salvador is a small country. It's only six million people there. So it's a significant part of the population. And over the course of the years, God has blessed some of these kids that where they're now in leadership. Mm. And if you think, uh, too, about their the one out of six have been in one of your schools, but the, the, the mother, they didn't go to school but had a child there, uh, the, the siblings, the friends, the everybody in the nation has probably been some in some form or fashion impacted by starting with that one little boy that was selling newspapers sure absolutely we we had a a pastor that died suddenly and his wife came to my office she had seven children and she didn't know what to do she says i don't even have money for tomorrow and she said i got these kids and so we prayed, but you know, the Bible says you don't just pray for them, you do something. So I reached in my pocket and got what I had, and I says, well, I'll help you with two weeks for groceries. And I said, then we'll see what we can do, how we can line up the future. And I said, we'll sponsor two of your children. Well, as any good mother, she kind of bowed her head and she says, "Well, which of the two, which which of the seven are you going to help?" Uh, uh, so <laughs> it was like a dagger in my soul. Uh, I said, "Send them all seven. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we can do with them." Well, all seven of them now. We had a meeting not long ago where we had all seven of them come, uh, and um, one would be like the attorney general. She's a, a woman. Her name is Rachel. Uh, of El Salvador, and um, another one has a bu a built a business of his own, and he's sponsoring kids himself now. Uh, another one's a missionary to Honduras, and so all seven of them are uh, professionals. She has since passed away, but there are many cases just like uh, that family, the Caballero family, that are a testimony to what the ministry of the schools has done in their life. You know what I find remarkable? We've heard the story before on podcasts. 
of uh, whether it's Moses, they, they hear from the Lord, and the first response is, can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you do, and what wonderful things come from it. Uh, I guess isn't that a lesson for all of us who feel the Lord tells us to do something and we don't think we have the resources, the ability, and look what he makes out of it. You know, the scripture that uh, has always spoken to my heart in that regard is the scripture in Zechariah where it says that don't despise the day of small beginnings because God delights in small beginnings. So I think it's a lesson for all of us. We start with what we have with the doors that are open, and then we let the Lord do the rest. Mm. That's encouraging. I think that's really encouraging for you. Know, so a lot of people hearing your story are, are maybe thinking to themselves, well, I'm probably never going to go to live in El Salvador or any mission field. I'm probably not going to be able to help 50,000 children have a great education and come to know Jesus. And so that could be, you know, they, they see others as a hero like yourself and think they can't do anything. But when you bring up a scripture like that, the small beginnings, you know, so, some, some of us, that's just be faithful in that small thing. I'd love to encourage people just to, uh, you know, sponsor a child through a, a ministry or bring some a meal to neighbors. That's, uh, you know, you, you can do great things for God and you can do small things for God that turn out to be a great impact on people. Absolutely. The God, all God expects us to do is what we can. And if we're obedient, if we're sensitive to what he asks us to do and the opportunities that he sets before us, then, of course, he gives us the ability to do even bigger things. But it's a process. So I think that, you know, I think of what would happen in our world if starting right at this moment everyone did something. Didn't have to be something big. Did something in the name of Jesus Christ uh, how things would be different. There's so much... uh, fighting there's so much rivalry there's so much conflict in our world and and if we were just if we just set our mind to be peacemakers mm-hmm. <laughs> you know nothing more than that think mm-hmm. of the change that would come and mm-hmm. so i think that it is an important lesson for one we all can do it and for two uh what a blessing it would be for our world if if everyone set their mind to it mm-hmm. you know when you speak of the blessing in the world you can't help but speak in El Salvador where things are so chaotic right now. And, and as we were talking earlier, much of M- MS-13 comes from El Salvador. How many children you rescued from what may have been, where they may have ended up by doing that? When you talk about bringing, pre- bringing peace to your world, you certainly did that through those schools. Yeah, I just was in El Salvador last week, and we uh, dedicated another school that World Challenge helped us uh, finance in the building part. And um, I thought while I was seeing the kids, you know, in their innocence and their uniforms, um, some of them, you know, were part of a civic program. The mayor of the city was there. And I thought, these kids, where would they be if it weren't for the ministry of godly teachers that are instilling in them not only the faith in Jesus Christ, but the knowledge they need uh, to prepare themselves for life. And uh, so, yes, it does bring peace. And, you know, we were talking about this when we were down there and said, you know, it's a shame that this little country, you know, uh, can't get rid of these gangs and rid of some of these things that are hindering the peaceful process there. 
someone said, yeah, but think what it would be if we didn't have these 37 <laughs> schools. All. So you have to kind of look at it that way. The truth of the matter is that these are very loving people. They're very easy to work with. They're very grateful, the parents and the kids. And after many years, they'll come and express their gratitude and appreciation. So I, I think in my heart that sometimes these little countries get a bad reputation because the people that we see on TV are not the people that really are the true Salvadorans that are doing the right things. But I know uh, this for a fact, that you won't find our children, speaking of the kids from the school, in the gangs or even in the caravans. <laughs> that will, they have found a life that's suitable for them in Christ wow. and in the country. And I think it's a big thing, and maybe it's a way that we could, uh, we could solve some of these issues that are yeah, so amazing. prevalent in our world. You know, when, when we throw out these phrases in, in Christendom like Jesus is the answer, you know, it can sound like a cliche probably to people that don't understand what we're talking about, but, you know, you're putting real meat on the bones there when you talk about Jesus is the answer to the gang problem, the drug problem, the the poverty problem, the problem of uh, refugees, uh, immigrants coming into a, a country legally or illegally, having to flee uh, from from things like that. You know, I just love the fact that uh, that, that that you have proven you know, that Jesus is the answer. Uh, People basically, aside from the need for food and basic sustenance, sustenance, they need hope. And the only hope, really, that goes beyond the circumstances of life in some place like Venezuela or El Salvador is Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's the hope. Mm -hmm. And so if you, if you give a small child or an adult hope, then he can cope with his issues. But otherwise, it's, you, know, you find uh, other remedies that aren't so good. Mm. And that's where you get the things like the gangs and the, and the drugs. Absolutely. And the, and that's uh, when we say Jesus is the answer. It's not only for children in El Salvador, but it's for us in America too, who who are looking for uh, maybe for hope in all the wrong places rather than the hope. Absolutely, you're talking Absolutely. about in Jesus. John, you also, brother John, you wrote a book uh, about poverty. What was the title of that book? Yeah, the uh, title uh, it comes from Scripture itself. Yeah. It says, "Remember the poor." Remember the poor. Can you tell us a little and, bit about uh, that? Yeah, one? I um, over the years, you know, I saw so much poverty not only in El Salvador but around the world. Um, that one year, I think prompted by the Holy Spirit, yeah. I decided in my daily devotions to just pull out everywhere in Scripture, both the Old Testament and the New, where it talked about poor, about God ministering to the poor. There's so much in the Old Testament mm -hmm. that says that God defends the poor, that God looks out for the poor. And, of course, he talks about the widow as well in that, in that same context. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, the issue was uh, I did it over a five-year period. Mm. And I got, and, you know, it's not like an exhaustive list because, you know, there's still more verses you could find <laughs> in the Bible that I missed right. over the five-year period. Mm. But the book is just based on, that, on those scriptures. Yeah. Uh, the fact that, that, you know, it's our responsibility as Christians to, to see about people that are needy, whether it's the neighbor or whether it's uh, someone else we've heard about from, you know, far away. Yeah. And Jesus is clear about that. And, you know, in the, in, in the epistles it says, you know, like I mentioned earlier, 
uh, if someone uh, comes to you in need, don't just say, the Lord bless you and turn them away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, we can't always do a whole lot, but we can do something. I don't think that anybody can say that I can't do anything. Right. So if we, you know, it's everybody working together th- that solves an issue like this. Yeah. Um, your influence through that book, Remember the Poor, um, was an influence on my life and my wife's life for the mercy ministry we do at World Challenge. Your son, Ron, was a, a strong influence on our life to help us as an organization and a ministry to take a look at the, the long-term effects of poverty and the possibilities that the kingdom of God has in producing kingdom principles that help alleviate poverty uh, to, to bring an end to people's poverty and education that you're doing does that to such a large degree and, and some of these things that, that, that we're employing here. So your family's been a great influence on us and on your, on your nation. Yeah, I think yeah. that testifies also to the love that we have for the country. I have four sons and three of them have gone back to minister in that country in one way or another. My oldest son is resident there. He's, yeah. uh, he actually never left El Salvador except wow. to get his education in the States. But I, I think that, uh, for instance, with Ron, that's the son you're talking about, right. he has a program he calls Enlace. Yeah. Uh, it's basically a community transformation. Yeah. And I, frankly, was a little reticent about it because mm-hmm. I thought, well, you know, he's going to run into a lot of problems in this process. And mm-hmm. But I've seen it before my own eyes. I was down there just a few months ago to celebrate the 25th anniversary of that ministry. No way. Oh, wow. There's 60-some communities that where he has uh, implemented his, uh, you know, his plan. And uh, I have been to most of those and seen that it does work. So a lot of times we say, well, things don't work. But they do work if they're done right. Yeah, he he took me to a, um, I can't remember what village it was, but he took us a beautiful pastor. We went for this walk up this this um, hillside of El Salvador, you know, the thick trees and the the brush you couldn't hardly get through. You need a machete. And then we get to the other part of this field, and there's this huge water tank. I mean, probably five times bigger than this room we're in right now. And Ron, I said, Ron, what is this? And he said, it's a, it's a monument to failed philanthropy. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a white, you know, monstrosity of, of failed attempts of do-goodism. And, and it was just this organization came in and built this uh, huge thing and told the poor people, here's water for you. Well, it just kind of fell into disuse. And, and then he took me back down the hill and showed me these, just these little these little things that they could get, uh, almost like tippy taps where water was collected and mm-hmm. they could bring it into, through pipes into their homes. And, and it was just simple and the people could do it themselves. And, and, you yeah. know, and, and while he's rubbing shoulders with them, and you do this with your schools, while you're rubbing shoulders teachers with these children you're showing the love of jesus you're you're telling of the love of jesus and it's it's transforming the nation absolutely the community <laughs> you're talking about is um many people tried to get water wells there but this it seemed they couldn't get water even government uh agencies came in there and drilled and couldn't find you water. know the area i'm talking about yes okay, absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. and um now there are three pretty um you know fairly large communities that are getting water, potable water, because mm-hmm. we eventually were able to get pipes to their to their communities oh, and to their houses. Wow. 
And so that, of course, was uh, together with government, together with the city, and together with the communities. So, you know, nothing is easy in those countries, (laughs) but uh, sometimes we come up with some pretty nice things. Well, I pray that some people that are listening today will get involved in helping. I'm reminded of a story. I see this piece of paper of of, of, of a businessman who's very, very, very busy, and he was brought some work home. And his little boy, two-year-old, two or three-year-old boy, was. We kept on, Daddy, I want to play. Daddy, I want to play. And he he, he noticed a a picture of a world map he had on his desk, and he, he tore it into little pieces and threw it down on the ground and said, "Son, when you put the map back in place, you can put all these countries back in place. And then I'll then I'll play with you." And so he got to his business, and maybe like four minutes later, the little boy with all tape had it had it back in place, and he looked at it and said, like. Man, every country's right in place. And he goes, son, how did you do that? And he goes, oh, in the back, there's a picture of a person. And when I put the person in place, the world fell in, in order. And you know, I, I say all to say, every child that you've worked with in El Salvador is, is putting the world back in place. You know, you're, you're, it's, 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 uh, you know when you think of uh, the vast scope of thousands and thousands of children, it's overwhelming. But when you just think of that Beautiful one. Beautiful analogy. One, what a nice way yeah, to put it. Because that, that, that's one, fantastic. One by one by one. You're, John, I want to thank you for telling a story. It's an example of uh, what happens when one obedient person follows God. Uh, you probably never could have imagined exactly. that it would have ended that way exactly. when you accepted that and paid for that newspaper on the side of the road. So thank you. I'm sure that's an, inspira- it's an inspiration to me, and I'm sure it is to the people listening and watching today. So thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, thanks, John. I was happy to be with you today. You've been listening to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. Taking a leap of faith and following God's call can have unimaginable impact, not only on your life, but also on your city. The blessings God pours out in response to our faithfulness can echo across generations and even change the face of a nation. What is one call you may be hearing from God in your life right now? If there isn't anything right now, ask God to speak to you and give you the strength to follow him when he opens a new mission field in front of you. If this podcast encouraged you and you'd like to learn more about the Bueno family's work, please visit childhopeonline.org, where you can help provide hope and a bright future to Latin American children living in poverty. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, sound design for this episode by Mike Hall-Smith. This episode was written by Rachel Schimitz. Our producer is Chris Wigington, with video production by Aaron Gale. Next week, tune into the Gary Wilkerson podcast to hear Carter Conlon, senior pastor of Times Square Church and founder of the Worldwide Prayer Meeting, talk about the power of prayer. Until then, do all you can to live a better life and make a better world through Jesus Christ.